grace and mercy and peace belong to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In 2010, a wealthy businessman and a collector of rare items, a man by the name of Forrest Fenn, Forrest Fenn, decided to take a 10-inch by 10-inch antique bronze lockbox and into this antique bronze lockbox he put in gold coins, gold nuggets, rubies, diamonds, emeralds, Chinese jade carvings, and pre-Columbian gold bracelets. All of this was worth well over a million dollars and more. And he closed the box, and then he proceeded to travel up into the Rocky Mountains, and he hid it somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. Then he came back to his home in New Mexico. He published, he, he, a self-published book about his life. He was getting on in years. And then in that self-published book about his life, he wrote a 24-line poem, and he let it be known that in that 24-line poem are all the clues you need to find that treasure. Well, at first it didn't make much of a stir because it was this little self-published book sold in a couple of bookstores at his home in, in town in New Mexico. But word started getting out. And once word started getting out, then the interest grew and grew and more and more people wanted to read this poem and try to figure out the clues and go take trips up into the Rocky Mountains it eventually it started numbering into the hundreds of thousands of people. It started going around the world. Somebody started a, 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 a blog called The Thrill of the Chase. They started having annual meetings, annual meetings where they would get together and they would share their, their thoughts about the, all the clues and what those clues could mean and, and what they had learned, what they thought they had learned. Some of them had made made dozens of trips up into the Rocky Mountains trying to try their hunches. And even tragically, tragically, four people actually lost their lives up in the Rockies trying to find this treasure. And at that point, Forrest Fenn made a very clear announcement. He said, do not endanger yourselves. I was 80 years old when I hid this this hidden treasure, and, and so I didn't put it, I didn't put myself in danger, so don't harm yourselves either. The compelling draw of hidden treasure, the power it often has to, to seize an individual and, and, and to reorder, reorder the priorities of that person's life. Well, in the Word of God before us this morning, 
Jesus is painting pictures with words to describe Christianity and how precious it is. As he does, he tells the story of a hidden treasure. The, his story goes like this. He says that the kingdom of heaven is, is like treasure hidden in a field. Archaeologists have, have found that not only during Jesus' day when he walked on the earth, but long before Jesus walked on the earth and long after Jesus walked on the earth, it was not uncommon for people to put a lot of their valuables into some kind of solid container and to, and to bury it somewhere. Well, here was treasure buried in a field, and Jesus continues and he says, a man found it. Now, according to the, the New Testament original Greek, the, the word found here, it, it communicates that he wasn't looking for it. He, he seemed to have come across it by accident in this field, and, and all of a sudden here is this, here, here is this treasure. Well, then what happened? Well, Jesus said, he took the treasure, and he put it back. He hid it again. And then Jesus says, then in his joy, you can imagine this man leaving that field with a little bit of a skip in his step and maybe a little bit of a smirky smile on his face. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Now, please understand, Jesus' Jesus' point here is not to comment on the propriety or the ethics of what this man is doing, but rather to illustrate, rather to illustrate the priority of the treasure in this man's life. The dominant priority of the treasure in this man's life. What do you think his friends thought as they saw him selling everything he owned? What does his neighbors say? Did they smile and nod at him as, as he went about doing this thing? And as soon as he turned his back, they went about his relatives. Were they a little bit more candid with him about his behavior? Or how about any acquaintances when they found out what he was doing? At the very least, they must have been thinking, are you out of your mind? What has gotten into you? Why are you willing to part with all of your earthly goods simply for some piece of ground? Well, thanks to Jesus, you and I are, are in on the answer. It's not simply for the piece of ground. It's for what the piece of ground contains. A number of years ago, a man by the name of Rob Cutshaw, Rob Cutshaw, came across an unusual-looking rock near the Georgia-Tennessee border. And, and he knew some things about rocks, but he was certainly no expert. But he looked at it and he thought, well, this would be of some value and it's kind of interesting. And, and so, just as a novelty, he 
kept it under his bed for the next 18 years. He says, later he says that, that during that 18-year time period, he very likely would have parted with it if somebody had offered him a few hundred bucks. He very likely would have parted with it if, if he had had some, some bill to pay or if he had found himself in some financial difficulty. He didn't, he didn't have a lot of money. But then one day he was watching TV and, and there on some TV program there was somebody who was talking about a rock that looked awfully similar to the kind that he had and they were talking about how it is quite valuable. I thought, well, maybe I should get that pretty rock out from under my bed and get it appraised. He did. And that's when Rob Cutshaw discovered that he is the owner of the world's largest blue sapphire. 2,000 111 carats. 2.75 million dollars. Sitting under his bed all that time. Brothers and sisters, there are many times when Rob Cutshaw can remind you and me of you and me. Habits are good. Habits are good. We use them to the glory of the Lord. Godly habits work into the fabric of our lives. The fact that we gather together to hear God's word and to worship. That we, that we cherish the Bible. That we sing together. All of those things are good. When we allow habits to become Empty and thoughtless, however, when we allow habits to become empty and thoughtless, that's when a dark side of habits can begin to creep in. And that is when you and I can really begin to do the equivalent of what Rob Cutshaw did with that sapphire. That it's very easy for you and me to allow the treasure of Christianity to sit under a bed. And then we can let it go, let it drift away for not very much. Let it drift away, perhaps, for the sake of some convenience in our lives. Let it go to avoid some difficulty of conscience. Let it drift away, presuming that the, that the immediate need that Christianity seems to be talking about all the time does not seem all that urgent, and I've got other urgent things to take care of, thank you. I've got real life to deal with. Or to let that beautiful treasure of Christianity drift away for something shinier something more relevant, something more interesting. For all the times that you and I have slipped into such thinking, careless, dangerous, 
a holy God has every reason to simply let us go through with it, to let us allow the treasure to drift away for not very much. The result being that you and I are left treasureless and empty and lost. But here is the beautiful truth. We remember that you and I have not sought out the treasure. That's not how it worked. You and I have not sought out the treasure. The treasure has sought out you and me. God the Son came here. God the Son became one of us to live among us in this broken, troubled world, broken by our sin. And on our behalf, He lived the life you and I have failed to live, the, a, a life of perfect faithfulness where His priority with His relationship with His Heavenly Father was always pure, always flawless. And then on our behalf, He gathered up all of the ways in which you and I have allowed the distractions of this world and our own sinful apathy to leave the treasure of the gospel under our bed. He gathered up all those failures, yours and mine, and through his blood on the cross, he washed them all away. So that now you and I, through spirit-created faith in him, we are whole, and we are healed, we are forgiven and cleansed, and we are His. And it is that monumental message of what He has done for us that God uses to renew us in seeing, seeing what we have. It is that message that God uses to empower us to hold on a little bit more tightly to what we possess. It is that gospel message that God uses to refresh us, to remember what our life priorities truly are. Remember our friend Forrest Fenn? and the treasure that he hid in the Rocky Mountains. In 2020, somebody figured it out. They figured out the poem. They put all the clues together. They went into the Rocky Mountains, and they found it. They have chosen to remain anonymous. But hooray for that person. Hooray for that person. But it's only for a few years on this world. And it pales in comparison 
what you and I already possess, our priceless treasure, Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Jesus. Amen.